have found the Genesis frequency. This is Dr. Stephen J. Kazmina welcoming you in to another episode of a show that focuses on your whole life prosperity and success. Whole life prosperity and success by cooperating with the universal laws that are available to each and every one of us. This is Quantum Leap Goal Achievement, Radical Personal Transformation, Whole Life Prosperity and Success. Now, stay tuned for another exciting episode that'll move the needle in your life from where you are now to where you want to be. Indeed, this is the Genesis Frequency Podcast, and this is Dr. Cause. Dr. Cause, in effect, Dr. Stephen J. Kismina coming at you with another episode. You know, by request, we have been taking a deep dive into Neville Goddard's The Power of Awareness, and I'm loving it. I love Neville Goddard, have for some time now, and I want to jump right into it today because we're on chapter 7, chapter 7 already, and this chapter is entitled Attitude, but one of the reasons I want to dive right in is because this is one of the longer chapters, so... You know, I was going back and forth. Do I edit or do I go ahead and read the entire thing? And it's not that much longer. It's like one page longer than the other entries that I've shared so far. But since we talk so much about the law of assumption, I don't want to assume that there's not somebody out there that needs exactly what's in here in its entirety. So with that assumption, that there is someone out there that needs it in its entirety. We're going to move forward with this. Chapter 7, Attitude. Experiments recently conducted by Merle Lawrence of Princeton and Adelbert Ames, Jr. of Dartmouth in the latter's psychology laboratory at Hanover, New Hampshire, prove that what you see when you look at something depends not so much on what is there as on the assumption you make when you look. Since what we believe to be the real physical world is actually only an assumptive world, it is not surprising that these experiments prove that what appears to be solid reality is actually the result of expectations or assumptions. Your assumptions determine not only what you see, but also what you do for they govern all your conscious and subconscious movements toward the fulfillment of themselves. Over a century ago, this truth was stated by Emerson as follows. As the world was plastic and fluid in the hands of God, so it is ever to so much of his attributes as we bring to it. To ignorance and sin it is flint. They adapt themselves to it as they may, but in proportion as a man has anything in him divine, the firmament flows before him and takes his signet and form. Your assumption is the hand of God molding the firmament into the image of that which you assume. The assumption of the wish fulfilled is the high tide which lifts you easily off the bar of the senses where you have so long lain stranded. It lifts the mind into prophecy 
in the full light, excuse me, in the full right sense of the word. And if you have that controlled imagination and absorbed attention, which it is possible to attain, you may be sure that all your assumption implies will come to pass. When William Blake wrote, what seems to be is to those whom it seems to be, he was only repeating the eternal truth, there is nothing unclean of itself but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Because there is nothing unclean of itself, or clean of itself, you should assume the best and think only of that which is lovely and of good rapport. It is not superior insight, but ignorance of this law of assumption. If you read into the greatness of men some littleness with which you may be familiar, or into some situation or circumstance an unfavorable conviction. Your particular relationship to another influences your assumption with respect to that other and makes you see in him that which you do see. If you can change your opinion of another, then what you now believe of him cannot be absolutely true, but is only relatively true. The following is an actual case history illustrating how the law of assumption works. One day a costume designer described to me her difficulties in working with a prominent theatrical producer. She was convinced that he unjustly criticized and rejected her best work and that often he was deliberately rude and unfair to her. Upon hearing her story, I explained that if she found the other rude and unfair, it was a sure sign that she, herself, was wanting and that it was not the producer, but herself that was in need of a new attitude. I told her that the power of this law of assumption and its practical application could be discovered only through experience, and that only by assuming that the situation was already what she wanted it to be could she prove that she could bring about the change desired. Her employer was merely bearing witness, telling her by his behavior what her concept of him was. I suggested that it was quite probable that she was carrying on conversations with him in her mind which were filled with criticism and recriminations. There was no doubt but that she was mentally arguing with the producer, for others only echo that which we whisper to them in secret. I asked her if it was not true that she talked to him mentally, and if so, what those conversations were like. She confessed that every morning on her way to the theater, she told him just what she thought of him in a way she would never have dared address him in person. The intensity and force of her mental arguments with him automatically established his behavior towards her. She began to realize that all of us carry on mental conversations, but unfortunately, on most occasions, these conversations are argumentative, that we have only to observe the passerby on the street to prove this assertion, that so many people are mentally engrossed in conversation, and few appear to be happy about it, but the very intensity of their feeling must lead them quickly to the unpleasant incident 
they themselves have mentally created and therefore must now encounter. When she realized what she had been doing, she agreed to change her attitude and to live this law faithfully by assuming that her job was highly satisfactory and her relationship with the producer was a very happy one. To do this, she agreed that before going to sleep at night on her way to work and at other er intervals during the day, she would imagine that he had congratulated her on her fine designs and that she, in turn, had thanked him for his praise and kindness. To her great delight, she soon discovered for herself that her own attitude was the cause of all that befell her. The behavior of her employer miraculously reversed itself. His attitude, echoing as it had always done, that which she had assumed, now reflected her changed concept of him. What she did was by the power of her imagination. Her persistent assumption influenced his behavior and determined his attitude toward her. With the passport of desire on the wings of a controlled imagination, she traveled into the future of her own predetermined experience. Thus we see it as not facts, but that which we create in our imagination which shapes our lives. For most of the conflicts of the day are due to the want of a little imagination to cast the beam out of our own eye. It is the exact and literal-minded who live in a fictitious world. As this designer, by her controlled imagination, started the subtle change in her employer's mind, so can we, by the control of our own imagination and wisely directed feeling, solve our problems. By the intensity of her imagination and feeling the designer cast a kind of enchantment on her producer's mind and caused him to think that his generous praise originated with him. Often her most elaborate and original thoughts are determined by another. And that will close this chapter with a quote by William Butler Yeats. We should never be certain that it was not some woman treading in the wine press who began that subtle change in men's mind, or that the passion did not begin in the mind of some shepherd boy, lighting up his eyes for a moment before it ran upon its way. Wow. Really, really food for thought in this as we hold those conversations, as we carry those on within our own consciousness so they do come to pass in our field of experience. How often did you hear yourself in this story and in this explanation of our attitude and our inner dialogue? Wow, I sure did. We can sure have that dialogue and, and when we look at the scenario of an employer-employee relationship, I think everybody can relate to that one. How many times on the way into work or on the way home, well, I'm going to tell that SOB this, and I'm going to tell him that, and he is so this and so that. And it's true. So what do we do? We are setting up our experience. We are setting up the condition that is going to move into our field of experience. And then as we saw, 
a subtle shift at first and then a major shift in attitude and an internal dialogue that reflected what we do want to experience what she wanted to experience made all the difference in the world so I invite you to give this a try today give this a try today maybe with some difficult situation in your life maybe it's with someone that you always just find a little bit disagreeable maybe a little bit irritable and annoying from your perspective make the little shift in your own inner dialogue make the inner shift in your own attitude because we know that attitude is made up of a composite of things attitude is made up of thoughts and feelings and actions and thoughts and feelings and action is always the formula for our results so that would mean that attitude plays the biggest role if it's a composite of all those things attitude is all those things that creates our results so this is a good lesson chapter seven it's like the seventh inning stretch in baseball right chapter seven on attitude perfect 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 to do as Zig Ziglar would say do that check up from the neck up what are our thoughts and let's take this a step further it doesn't have to be about just the employee employer relationship and the dialogue we're having on the way in and on the way home from the office what is the dialogue that we are having internally about other areas of our lives what are the dialogues we are having when it comes to our finances when it comes to time and money freedom what kind of conversations are we having are those conversations inclusive of words like I can't afford it I'm always broke I don't have the money how much is it questions that are not supportive of being assumptive of the life we would love to live a life of abundance a life of prosperity so what kind of inner dialogue is going on around time and money freedom and your finances and wealth and abundance and prosperity what kind of inner conversations are you having when it comes to your own health and physical fitness are you assuming with your inner dialogue and your conversations oh boy I'm always sick you know I know I'm gonna get sick again when I go to that place or when I go to that mall or when I go to that show or when I go visit Uncle Harold and Aunt Maud and I know I'm going to you know what is that internal dialogue assuming when it comes to your health and physical fitness when it comes to your weight we all want to maintain that healthy weight what about that dialogue are we having conversation oh I am always hungry thus reinforcing that instead of having a different conversation I am so happy and healthy I'm at my target weight now of fill in the blanks fill in the blanks with new conversations with new inner dialogue what kind of conversations are we having when it comes to our relationships say outside the employer with our spouse or significant other with those in our family maybe there's something going on in the family or a close friend where the relationship has been drained a little bit 
what kind of inner dialogue are we having? Oh, I'm not going to talk to her because she is, you know, she, there's something about her. She always does. And then we have that inner dialogue, right? Let's listen to this again and discern how we can change that inner dialogue to support what we wish to experience. And we can do this with, with people, with conditions, with situations. We can alter the results that are showing up in our life that we are calling our reality. That, hey, this is it. We can change that. So, this is a long chapter today, yes. And I know there was a little bit of stumbling in there, but, you know, look past that and look to the message. And then let this be your seventh inning stretch where you do the checkup from the neck up and determine what conversations can you have internally that will change your attitude, changing your thoughts, your feelings, and therefore your actions having different results show up for you, assuming the results that you want to experience. All right, that's what I got for today. Hey, we still got it in and under the 20-minute mark. I'm so glad you're here. So very glad you're here. Hey, if you want to ever go deeper into any of this material, you know, we just, by request, have taken a, a turn and, and, and taken a deep dive into Neville Goddard's The Power of Awareness. But this whole show is about personal development and growth. And we you know, facilitate radical personal transformation and quantum leap goal achievement for individuals, for small businesses, for corporations. So if you want to have a conversation with me with about any of these things, about what's going on in your life and your world, I do offer free sessions to all my listeners. And these sessions are about, hey, finding out, determining, discerning what is it that is the big dream that you perhaps buried. And these free sessions will get right to your purpose, your passion, and that big dream that perhaps you put up on the shelf because you didn't think it was possible for your life. Step two in these sessions will identify why you aren't there yet. What's been keeping you stuck? Why haven't you moved from where you are into this dream yet? And number three will identify what you got to do next. What is the plan to move forward and move from where you are into the direction of your dream and to ultimately the realization of that dream? So I offer those sessions for free. So you can reach me at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at successocean.com. You can leave a comment here. You can find me on social media at Stephen J. Kuzmina or at SuccessOcean. And hey, there's all kind of ways to get a hold of me. So reach out. Let's get you scheduled for an appointment. I'd love to talk with you one-on-one -on -one and help you. This is the work I do. I've been doing it for a long time. I've been studying metaphysics, the power of our subconscious mind and visualization since 1980. Got real serious about it back in my tribulation of trial, my trilogy of tribulation, I, I should say that uh, started in, well, it started my whole life, but, uh, you know, really took a turn. And you can go back and listen to my first episode. But uh, 
started in two, 2008 and then been doing this full time since 2013. So love to have a conversation with you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. And you've been listening to the Genesis Frequency. This is Dr. Cause, Dr. Cause and Effect, Dr. Stephen J. Gismina. And I wish for you an infinitely spectacular day. God bless you.